We are doing a series on looking at Jesus' life. And we've been looking so far for quite a few weeks at different things that happened in his life. But we're only about a year and a bit into his ministry. You know, Jesus ministered for three and a half years from about September, roughly, till about April, three and a half years later. So it was about three and a half years that he ministered and did various things around Palestine, Israel. And we so far have seen him choosing his disciples, doing all sorts of wonderful things. But we're only a year and a bit into his ministry. And we've got to the point where he's about to preach his first sermon. Isn't that amazing? A year and a half in, and his first recorded sermon is called the Sermon on the Mount. And last week we looked at the introduction to this, where Jesus goes up on a mountain, he prays, and then he comes down and many people are healed. He chooses 12 out of the disciples to be his apostles, and then he starts to teach the crowd. And from Matthew chapter 5 all the way to the end of Matthew chapter 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' words in his first recorded sermon. And it's an amazing um, picture of Jesus preaching. We're so privileged to have these words written down of what Jesus actually said. And so we're going to start looking at it, but it's too big to do in one week. So we're going to cut it up into little chunks. And this week we're looking at the first bit, which is called the Beatitudes. Beatitude is a bit of a weird kind of religious sounding word, but it basically just means the blessed. Because every one of these first eight um, things that Jesus said, he started off by saying, blessed are... And then he he mentioned a few things. And then he said, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And so people have called these the Beatitudes. And they're just the beginning of his sermon, which goes right through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then at the end of Matthew 7, he sums up the sermon. And the reason I'm giving you this is because it's good to look at the end summary conclusion when we're looking at all the different bits of the sermon so that you know where Jesus' thinking was going. The conclusion of his sermon is when he wraps everything up that he's been saying and he says this in Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we're going to look at the Beatitudes, and I'm I'm just going to read them to you. There's eight of them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, For they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger 
and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I read a story a while ago about two American sprinters in the 1972 Munich Olympics called Eddie Hart and Ray Robinson. And they were the best sprinters in the world. As far as their qualifying times were concerned, they ran the 100 meters in 9.9 seconds, which meant they were on line, one of them, to win the gold medal in the Olympics in 1972 Munich. And they got there and they did their qualifying heats in the morning and they all got through, they all came first in their, in their heats. <coughs> but then in the afternoon, it was the first session of the, of the 100 meters and neither of them arrived. And the race went on without them. And because they hadn't arrived, they were not allowed to compete in that race any longer. And it turned out that their coach was using a schedule, a timetable for the Olympics that was outdated. It was 18 months old. And he hadn't seen the updated schedule. And the times of the races were wrong. And he thought their their race was going to be later on or the next day. And so they missed the race. Isn't that amazing? Why am I telling you that story? Because these beatitudes for me are summed up with the idea of the rules that you and I think are in force in the world and the way we're supposed to live and the way life works are not the full rules. We haven't got the full picture. We think we're working to a set of rules and a timetable that's, that's X, Y, and Z, but actually God says, you haven't got the full picture, and Jesus says, I'm here to tell you the big picture. You've been working off a timetable that you think, I've just got this many years on this earth, I've got to just do the best I can, I've got to look out for number one, I've got to push other people down, it's all about my happiness. There's a whole lot of rules and assumptions that we have in life and Jesus draws back the curtain and he says there's a whole other set of rules there's a whole extra time that you haven't thought about after you die and there's a whole other world that you haven't even considered and when you consider that then your whole attitude and viewpoint on life is going to change he starts off every single one of the beatitudes saying blessed are And that word blessed or blessed simply means favored. Let me explain it to you like this. A blessed or a blessed person is someone who has extra favor on them than the next person who is not blessed. A blessed person has extra ability and extra happiness. They are the one who is happy and favored and blessed, whereas the person next to them is not. And we understand that concept of being blessed or or blessing being on us. But the world says the blessed people, the happy people, are the ones who've got it all together. 
who have lots of money, who are not sad, who don't have tragedies in their lives, who are not sick, who are not struggling in any way. And Jesus says, actually, that's not really the blessed people. Because you have to open the veil and look at the whole picture. There's a whole eternity to come. There's a whole other world that you haven't even thought of. And until you look at all the rules of the game, then that little picture of blessedness that you have is not complete. You got it. If you got that, I might as well stop now because that's the sermon really in its essence. But let's just look at this for a second. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means I have a need in myself. I feel a lack or a need inside myself. Oh, I'm not happy. I'm not complete. I'm not full. I'm not fulfilled. There's something missing in my life. In my spirit, I'm poor. I'm needy. I'm bankrupt. And the world says, and our parents say, and our teachers say, and the bosses say, and the whole world says, and we even say to ourselves, if I'm feeling this bankruptcy in my spirit, I must meet that need with something. I must succeed. I must do better. I must try harder. I must educate myself more. I must be more, or I must medicate. <laughs> I must try and dull this need and this pain with some other thing that'll, that'll satisfy me. And Jesus said, actually, when you're in that place of poverty of spirit, you're blessed. Why? Because it opens your eyes to the fact that this is not all there is. Wow. Can you see how the first sermon of Jesus's was so revolutionary? No one had ever said this before. No one had ever been bold enough to say these kind of things. Everyone had said, if you're poor in spirit, just suck it up, be a man, get tough and overcome it. And Jesus said, no, no, you're blessed because you're going to open your eyes and you're going to see the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. You know, mourning, we, we think, oh no, I'm sad, a, a family member has died, or, or I'm sad for a loss of something in my life, I'm sad for a loss of ability in myself, maybe I'm sick, I'm sad for the fact that I'm getting older and frailer, whatever it is, mourning in myself, oh, I'm, I'm sad. He says, that's a blessed event. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Not just because you're mourning, but because it opens your eyes and you, and you start to seek for more. I've told you the story before about the penguin who was born inland by mistake. Have I told you the story? I think I have. A penguin who's supposed to be playing in the waves and the sea... He was born inland, about two kilometers inland from the sea. And all he had was a little muddy puddle. And he grew up his whole life just flopping around in this puddle and, and living in a dry and arid place. And his whole life he felt a need for more. He felt there's got to be more to life than this. And every now and again he, he thought he could hear the crash of waves coming on the wind blown in from the sea. And he thought, oh, is there more? And at night he would dream and he would dream of himself going through waves and playing in water. And he would wake up and say, oh, is this all there is to life? That's the morning in our hearts. 
that tells us there's more. C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire that nothing in this world can fulfill, the best explanation is that I was made for another world. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted. If you, if you go to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and you say, yes, Lord Jesus, I love you, I know you, and I want to build my life on you, then you will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek. You see, the world says, if you're meek, you'll get crushed. Be strong. Don't let people treat you like a doormat. Don't let people push you down. And you see, those are the rules of a game that are incomplete. How many people do you know who lived their whole lives according to the rules that say this little temporary life is all there is, and they get to the end of their life and they say, oh no, I regret it, I wish, I wonder, I think there's more. There was a, a lady called Jane Saville in the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. She was a, an Australian, and she was in this walking event. You know the walking race where they have to walk very fast? For 20 kilometers. And it was in her home country of Australia, and she was the local hero, and she was coming first. After 19 and a half kilometers of walking, she was in the lead, set for the gold medal, and she walked into the Sydney Olympic Stadium, and the crowd rose to their feet, and they all started shouting and cheering, Yay, Jane! You're going to win! You're in the lead! And she was 200 meters from the end. And she lifted her foot off the ground. And if you know the walking rules of the walking race, at least uh, both your feet have to be on the ground at all times. You can't lift one foot off. And and an official came out with a red disqualification card. 200 meters from the end. You should have seen her. You can look it up on YouTube. She just was unconsolable. I've done so much. I've been training for four years. I've given up my life to train for these Olympics. I thought I was going to win. The end was so close in sight. And the rules were broken. My friends, what Jesus is saying to us in this sermon is don't live your life by rules that are not the proper rules. The meek in this life seem to get pushed down and crushed. But they are the ones who will inherit the earth in the big picture. (laughs) Take courage. It's not weak to prefer other people. It's strong. It's not weak to turn the other cheek. It doesn't mean that you are less or you failed. It just means you see a bigger world and a bigger picture. And there's a bigger judge. And there's a bigger time scale. And you'll win in the end. (laughs) The game's not over yet. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. The world says hunger and thirst for success, security, comfort, family strength, money, Health, hunger and thirst for these things. Then you'll be happy. And again and again, every person who achieves those things says, but I'm not happy. But Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
you will be happy. You will be satisfied. You will be filled. What is righteousness? It means to be right with God. (laughs) I'm hungry to be right with God because that's the big picture that really counts. I can be happy, healthy, wealthy, and all those other things on this earth. But what good is that if I die and spend eternity apart from God? Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Again, the world says, no, try and get mercy, but try and give justice. That's what the world says. Get as much mercy as you can from other people. In other words, get people to be kind to you, treat you kindly and generously and graciously and forgive your sins. Get as much mercy as you can. But when someone does something wrong or fails or is weak, be harsh with them. That's what the world says. Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you've received the mercy of God, you'll pass it on because then you're looking at the big picture. Then you've seen what it's really all about. Mercy begets mercy. You can't uh, uh, demand justice from someone else and then require mercy from God. He says, mercy gives mercy. You live in mercy or you live in justice. You can't live in both places. Wow. Can you see how the crowds would have been thinking, wow, this is revolutionary, amazing teaching. I love this Jesus. He's amazing. No one but God could have said these things. Absolutely amazing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, the world says, your motives, your heart, the way you think on the inside, the reason you do things, no one needs to know that. They just need to see the outer facade. That's what the world says. I remember a friend of mine who was a minister, a pastor of a church, was horrified because his son was playing a game called Truth or Dare where people asked him any question and he had to tell the truth. And he said, don't play that game. Don't ever tell people what you really think. (laughs) And I suddenly realized that's that's what we think in the world. Don't let people know what's on the inside. Just show them the outer facade. In fact, don't even admit to yourself what you really think. Don't look at your motives. Don't look at why you did what you did. Jesus said, it's the pure in heart that see God. It's not your outer actions. Jesus said, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside, what you eat or drink. Out of your heart comes evil or good. It's what's on the inside. God doesn't look at the outer appearance, the Bible says. He looks at the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. How's your heart? Do you want God? Then you will see God. Isn't that, isn't that encouraging? You know, I mess up on the outside a lot. I'm harsh. Sometimes I say things to, especially my family, and afterwards I think, Greg, why did you say that? And I, I honestly believe that my heart wants to do good, but sometimes the message gets gets mixed up before it comes out of my mouth. And I have to say I'm sorry to my kids or my wife. I'm sorry. But God looks at the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Our actions matter because our actions 
impact other people. But the heart is much more important. Again, a revolutionary Jesus. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. The world says, if there's strife going on amongst other people, if you see two people fighting, if you see a conflict going on somewhere, if you see some problem somewhere, take advantage of it. Get something out of it. If they're fighting, that means you can win something. Jesus said, make peace. Why? That doesn't make sense if the rules are just 70 years on earth. Ah, there's a bigger world. There's another time. There's another judge. There's another reality. Peacemakers, helping others to be reconciled to one another. Then we will be called sons of God. And lastly, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't make sense. Why on earth would I be happy? Why would I consider myself favored more than the next person? Because somebody's persecuting me for being a Christian. Somebody's treating me badly. Someone's not inviting me to the party. Someone's excluding me from the club. Someone's not treating me the same. Someone's judging me. Someone's whispering about me behind my back. Why would I consider myself blessed? He says, because there's a bigger picture. There's a reward. Yours is the kingdom of, not earth, heaven. Wow. Later on in the Bible, it says rejoice in that day. Rejoice in sufferings because there's a great reward to come later on. I just want to close by saying we don't seek all these things. We don't seek sadness, pain, persecution, mourning. We don't go around with a whip trying to whip our backs and say, oh, I want to be sad. These things will come because we live on this planet. Isn't that right? These things happen. But our attitude changes dramatically when we say there's a God who loves me, who's going to judge and put all things right one day, and then there's eternity to come. Suddenly my mind attitude changes and I say, when something bad happens, it's okay, it's earning a great reward to come, but also, the Bible says, God works that thing together for my good. Because I'm called according to his purpose and I love him. Suddenly all these bad things change and I say, God, there's nothing the world can throw at me. There's nothing anyone can throw at me that will harm me or hurt me. You'll use it for good. It'll earn me a reward in heaven. All things are fine. I'm the happiest person on the earth. I'm blessed. I'm favored. There's a a cloak an envelope of blessing and favor all over me. And I'm happier and better off than the person next to me.